China is not America's biggest threat. I intend to use another angle to study the problems of the American economy because this is related to many future political and diplomatic issues in the United States and in turn will have a greater impact on China and the world. Plagues and wars have always been events that changed the course of history. The US GDP in the second quarter fell by 32.9%. Although better than the forecast of some financial institutions, it is still shocking because this is the worst data for the US economy since 1947. In other words, it is difficult for many people to experience such a thing in their lifetime. The current unemployment rate in the United States is 14%, while before the outbreak, the unemployment rate was only 3%. The death toll in the United States due to the epidemic has exceeded 150,000. Former U.S. presidential candidate Herman Cain also died of the virus, so don't think that the virus only kills people at the bottom. If you know that the 32.9 economic contraction was already boosted by the huge financial relief of the government, you should understand how much impact the epidemic has on the United States. On March 25 this year, the White House and the Senate reached an agreement on a $2 trillion economic stimulus plan. Unemployed Americans are entitled to receive emergency unemployment benefits of $600 a week. But does that allow the American people to survive the crisis? According to data from the U.S. Census Bureau in late July, nearly 30 million Americans did not have enough food to eat. The survey data shows that about 23.9 million of 249 million respondents indicated they had, quote, sometimes not enough to eat, end quote. For the week ending July 21, and 5.42 million more indicated they had, quote, often not enough to eat, end quote. In total, about 12% of respondents reported not having enough food. Please note that this is the survey data released by the United States, not some fake media news. This is why the United States will restart the economy even if the epidemic reassures. Because if work does not resume, the United States will really suffer a famine. Many people may say that the United States is much richer than most of the world. It is impossible for them to go hungry. In fact, the abundance of goods really has nothing to do with whether you are hungry or not. If the economy cannot function normally, even if there is food, it will be difficult to distribute it to people who need it. Industrial society is heavily dependent on division of labor and transactions. In the United States, the number of people who directly produce food and raw materials accounts for less than 2% of the total population. If the economy cannot restart, the entire production, transportation, and distribution links will be severely restricted. It is impossible to rely on the government's own system to distribute food. In the context of industrial society and market economy, the beginning of economic crisis is often not because of the lack of output, but the result of the disruption of the distribution mechanism. You can think about it for people living in New York and Los Angeles. If there is nothing in the supermarket, even if you have money, you will still be hungry. Can the economy be maintained through charity and planned distribution? Of course it can but it is not sustainable. 
The second quarter economic rescue plan of the United States spent more than two trillion U.S. dollars. We can regard it as charity and plan distribution. The total amount is equivalent to nearly 50% of quarterly GDP, but the U.S. economy is still in a historic crisis. In other words, if the United States cannot restart the economy, even if everyone is given more money than they earned from their original jobs, the economy will fall into a severe recession. Because if this distribution continues, it will seriously distort market behavior. According to the current logic of the U.S. response to the epidemic, the less effective it is in controlling the epidemic, the more it is necessary to restart the economy. Because if the economic data in the second quarter continues, the U.S. economy will collapse. The United States is mainly the tertiary industry that stimulates employment and supports economic operations. In other words, the restart of the United States economy means a large number of personal contacts, which has accelerated the rebound of the epidemic. In a few months, the United States will enter the winter seasons with high influenza incidents, which means that it will further promote the spread of the coronavirus, and its consequences are unimaginable. Based on the need for the United States to restart the economy and the reality of the continued spread of the epidemic, I think that the United States will almost certainly move toward herd immunity, and the cost will most likely be the death of more than 500,000 people. Regarding the vaccine, I am not optimistic. The current development of the vaccine has shortened the development cycle of more than 10 years to one year, which is extremely difficult. In addition, even if it is developed, large-scale production will take time and the United States cannot even effectively test those infected. How can it ensure that everyone is vaccinated? The real problem is that vaccines have become the only hope for the United States, which itself is another major risk. Therefore, what I want to say is that from the strategic perspective of a country's main task, the most urgent and number one task for the United States is not to respond to China's threat, but to control the epidemic as much as possible. When major economies such as China, Europe, and Japan have basically controlled the epidemic, but the United States cannot effectively control the epidemic. It means that personal exchanges and various interconnections between other countries and the United States will be subject to relatively long-term restrictions. Of course, I'm not here to ridicule the United States, but to explain a problem that is, if we want to understand the real historical changes in the future, we must first understand the first threat and first priority of each country. This is very critical. It can be said to be a matter of life and death. The first threat to the United States is the epidemic. The main task should be to rejuvenate the economy, set an example for the world, drive global economic recovery instead of ignoring the domestic epidemic and focusing on competing with China. According to the current situation, China is likely to drive this round of global economic recovery. If the United States is still confused about its main task, it will not only have a sense of anxiety about China, but a sense of failure. Once a country makes a mistake in its main task, the consequences are very serious. Let me give you an example. For example, why can China develop into the world's second largest economy in just 40 years? The reason is simple. 
because China puts its main focus on economic development. Assuming that China still takes class struggle internally and ideological struggle externally as its main task, then China will hardly be what it is today. By the same token, the United States should focus on fighting the epidemic and reviving the economy. Objectively speaking, if the first priority of the United States is to control the epidemic, is the second priority dealing with China's rice? I think that is not the second priority, because racial tension has become a more prominent hidden danger threatening American society. Although Protestant whites in the United States have an absolute majority, ethnic minorities have become an indispensable existence in all walks of life. The absolute control of Protestant whites in the United States is actually being shaken. This has never happened before. Many people may think that the outside world has exaggerated the racial crisis in the United States. After all, the United States is a country that solves racial problems well from a global perspective. But what I want to say is that when the United States is in an era of rapid growth, all problems can be solved through development. The reason why the United States has not encountered racial problems beyond the control of the Protestant whites before is because the United States had been in the path of rising national fortunes. Even the minorities living at the bottom have improved their living conditions faster than people in other countries. The election of Trump and the racist signals released by the entire ruling team can actually be clearly seen. This is a reflexive manifestation of the gradual loss of self-confidence of Protestant whites and their search for control. This has never happened before. According to the latest estimates from the U.S. Census Bureau, in the past 10 years, all the population growth in the United States has come from minorities. The proportion of whites in the total population has dropped to 60%, and the median age has risen to 43.7 years, which is more than 10 years older than the average age of Hispanics of any other ethnic group, while the Latino population has increased by 10.1 million. What is the impact? For example, 30 years ago, if you went to the United States, you could just learn English. But now, if you go to the south of the United States and do not speak Spanish, you may be under more pressure and it will be more difficult to integrate. In New Mexico, Florida, and other states, Spanish is about to become the dominant language. On the surface, it is just racial conflicts, but in fact, the most fundamental issue is what values dominate the future development of the United States. The Civil War of more than 100 years ago looked like a slavery issue, but there was actually a dispute between industrial and agricultural development routes. In the future, the North-South conflict in the United States will be a value dispute between Protestant whites and Latinos. It is important to know that the entire population of the United States is migrating southward. In other words, the Protestant whites in the North will integrate more into the Southern Spanish language in the future, rather than the minorities into the white Protestant society. This is why I said that the current racial issues in the United States are not the same concept as all racial issues that it has experienced in history. This kind of internal friction dominated by differences in values will become more and more difficult as the U.S. fiscal and trade deficits continue to increase. This makes it difficult for the United States to withstand external challenges. Once there is external pressure, domestic conflicts will rapidly intensify. 
So I think the race issue is the second biggest task facing the United States after the epidemic, and it is a very difficult and long-term task. In this context, even if China is portrayed as the ideological and value enemy of the entire United States, in order to shift the internal divisions caused by the epidemic and ethnic issues, it will be difficult to bridge the strategic crisis facing the United States. The U.S. government is now giving up and ignoring the first and second major task in order to shape the response to China's rise as the U.S. government's top priority. However, in the international community, no one would think that the United States raising the ideological banner, blocking Huawei, TikTok, and WeChat, and politicizing the virus outbreak as a symbol of the United States' strength, confidence, and charm. Everyone is watching how it deals with epidemic and racial issues. What's more for the allies of the United States, responding to China's rise is also not its own top priority. I will talk about this in greater detail in the next episode. Creating original content is hard work. Your support is what keeps me going. Please like and share this episode. You can also donate to this channel by clicking the link in the description below. Thank you.